the compendium, the entirety of federal law. It's called the U.S. Code. Like, we literally already call it code within the system. And it and functions so, exactly like software. And it functions exactly if like software. If you've ever software. read a legal document, you realize, and you've also written code, you realize you're just reading software. Hey, this is Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Brian. Welcome back for another Hang in the Laboratory. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks, as always, to our backers who throw us as little as a buck a month to help keep this thing going. If you want to help keep the lights on at the laboratory, you can go to support.zengineeringpodcast.com to jump in there with uh, uh, just a few clicks. Thanks for all those so, clicks, everybody. Thanks for those clicks. Everybody. <laughs> uh, so what's up, man? We haven't recorded it. Like we took, you know, like a unintentional summer break. Basically. Yeah, it has been a long time. We were fortunate enough to get far ahead in our production schedule. Which means we immediately we stop <laughs> <laughs> and chew that cue up. This was a big uh, cue. No, it was a good one. Good, 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 good guests. Um, yeah. And I must say, I also fell down on on uh, uh, editing. I uh, I realized a funny quirk of podcasting and the and the notion of consistency. Here's some inside baseball for all you people that talk to us about starting your own podcast. If you wait over a certain amount of time, Apple Podcasts will automatically stop downloading episodes. So if you don't, so I I don't know what that cycle is exactly, but it occurred to me that the reason we had a a significant fall off was we had like a 45 day window between two of the episodes because we were busy with life stuff. And suddenly like half our listener base disappeared in the analytics. And I realized it's just because Apple Podcasts starts going, okay, well, I'm not going to turn this one back on until you tell me. (laughs) Um, So that's interesting. Is he saying most of our listeners are just bots downloading the podcast? Uh. No, but like now we have to get back to them and say, hey, there's a new episode. Click on it again because the app that's trying to optimize the hard drive space stopped automatically putting it into their feed when it pops up because it's just trying to optimize for what's it's a it's a it's a sort of broken aspect, uh, like uh, like like legacy aspect of how podcasts work, right. because it used to be that you had to download it to your ipod and take it with you to your and so itunes would automatically download the file and then move the file to your ipod i haven't like, heard the term ipod in a long time right i have one sitting right over there which is weird stack a relatively new technology <laughs> yeah right um so 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 the so it still works the same way people want a local copy so they can listen to it on the subway or whatever instead of streaming it and so it's not a thing of like so so we don't the analytic hit that we get isn't even a da- isn't even a listen it's a download uh and so the systems are still like so if you've subscribed and you've listened within the last 30 days or whatever apple is still pulling the local file as soon as we put it up always and so it shows to us as a download they stop doing that if you don't do that and so it's not that our people aren't listening it's that the actual listen to the file is one degree removed from the analytic that we can see um, and so we have done ourselves the disservice of waiting too long such that any automated, oh, I'll download all these. So you have them and then delete them f- 10 days later. If, if, you know, e- whether you've listened or not to optimize storage, 
has stopped flagging us as something that should be grabbed. Well, they should pick it back up again. Come on. I agree, peeps. If you're listening to now. this, if you're listening to this, <laughs> you don't have to worry. Quit slacking. <laughs> but also tell your friends. Sign back up. I don't know. Whatever. We're not really here for you. <laughs> How you doing, man? <laughs> this is just this is just selfish therapy sessions. Uh, uh, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, we have so uh like basically since our last conversations, we both purchased homes, which is part of the reason for being distracted from things like recording stupid conversations between one another. I've been very distracted preparing things. That's for sure. I think we'll do a different episode at some point on things like home ownership. Yeah, we the, can talk and, all day about gutters. And the myth of middle-aged fertility. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh but today uh we we're 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 gonna talk about politics. S- sort of. <laughs> sort of. Uh certainly uh shit be in the news right now. And it seems once or twice a year we need to talk about it in one way or another. It's usually, if nothing, cathartic for us. Um, but I don't really want to talk about like what's going on. I think what's really interesting is uh, impeachment is a constitutional process that that it only happens every once in a while, and it forces everybody to go. Oh wait, there's like a bunch of stuff in this document <laughs> that isn't the shit we fight about all the time that's wait, so still the, operative within the system of our government. <laughs> so the only thing the government outlines is not just voting for one person to run things? Right. It's not there are other things just, going on? Yeah. And and <laughs> protecting your right to free speech and guns. Um and occasionally <laughs> not to not search and seizure. And um, over what free speech means. And like what what else do people actually know about? Um, is a pleading the fifth people actually know about the the fifth uh, amendment because it's because you can self-incrimination which is literally like four words inside of a much bigger amendment about all kinds of other things (laughs) sir i'd like to plead the fifth (laughs) um but so guilty uh, guilty as charged our conversation that was more interesting was actually not about impeachment it was about the as we're recording this it was about the elections that just happened that were Low grade elections, but a few states flipped in terms of their party affiliation and a few governments won. And it was another for the extent to which this election could be. It was a blue wave. Um, But there's an interesting thing that happened in Virginia because the state house and the state Senate are both controlled by Democrats for the first time in like 35 years, which means we now, in theory, have enough states that would vote yes on a thing called the Equal Rights Amendment that that we've that uh, progressives have been trying to get passed for like ninety six years, um, and it brings up a really interesting quirk that I, I happen to mention this to you, Brian, and you were like, "Oh shit, I didn't even know we could do that," <laughs> and then that turned into a whole different conversation about uh like the mechanics of government and constitutions and there's a, <laughs> like there's a lot like going on in there um so do you uh i think you skimmed most recently on the topic do you want to give us a quick like okay wh- so what is the what's the equal rights amendment i skimmed like, some things 
You know, yeah. I got to be honest. I still don't have a great a great sense for what it itself is. I didn't read the actual text of the Equal Rights Amendment, which I meant to. Right. But so basically, <laughs> I've uh, made some things up as I've been talking to people about it last night. The blunt idea that everyone is equal is included in laws, like like uh, it's uh, like the, the underlying uh, philosophy that we like civil rights law. part of our country, but right. actually it's not written down anywhere. <laughs> it's actually not written down anywhere. In fact, there's some language in the Constitution that's a little hazy in the space of like I don't. It's not that hazy even. It's very explicit door for people <laughs> not being equal. Right. Um, so like, there's an amendment that gets rid of slavery. But we haven't expressly had an amendment that's like men and women are equal. It's illegal to treat them otherwise. Like we've we've handled it with laws, but we've never gone as far as putting it into the Constitution, uh, which then even brings up a conversation about what's the difference and sort of the structure of the whole thing. Right. But first, I want to hit the thing that's cool hit it. about hit it what about about the ERA and the fact. And this is the thing that's like why it's ridiculous that people don't it like. Uh, the people are even allowed to go vote without having proved that they've read the fucking constitution is absurd. <laughs> like you take civics class in seventh or eighth grade and then you forget all of it. Like maybe you get it hit with it one more time in 10th grade in American history, but like it's not a complex document and we all just shout about it constantly and have no idea what's actually in it. I've always, I thought, was just... go ahead. I've always thought when, when you go to vote that there should be, a questionnaire before you vote, but the answers are just right there. You have to go read a thing to get the answers, but they're right there. So you like read a sentence and then you answer a question about it. Right. But it like checks that you read that sentence. Right. (laughs) I know that would never work. Literally made forever. Reading comprehension. Yeah. (laughs) But Um, it's not even tricky. It's like two plus two equals four. And then it asks you, what does two plus two equal? But the reality is like, I have I had forgotten these things too until I took constitutional law, and then I became obsessed to the degree of writing like thesis scale papers about the structure of this document and what it has to do with our government. Um, we'll get to that piece in a second, but first, why would so we know these the, things? We have like regular jobs to do other complex right. things. Well, so so the thing that happened with the so, so the thing that's in discussion with the Equal Rights Amendment is there are two ways to amend the Constitution. Congress can do it. Or three quarters of states, state legislatures can vote to put an amendment in the Constitution and entirely preempt the federal government and then make the federal government do what they want by passing that amendment. I feel like we and understanding be how it makes the government do what they want is the structural piece that's interesting. But the idea that like all the way as far back as the framing of the because con- this is in the article, this isn't even in the amendments. This is a thing that was built into the first draft of this, not draft, but the first ratified draft of this document is an end run that the people can make around the government if it's so fucked up that they can't even get anything done. And that's if you get 38 38 states, three quarters of the states, to all vote for this amendment, you can just go, yo, equal rights amendments in there. I don't care what all you you wrinkly-faced old white guys think. And you're and you're and you got it right. So why don't we do these all the time? Because nobody knows you can do it. <laughs> it's probably really hard too. Because it's on the Getting second page of the document. Nobody gets there. This one's taken what ninety nine years, ninety six years, ninety six years. Um, well, we looked then, we looked up we looked up a timeline 
of constitutional amendments and we're in a desert we're in the we're in the third longest period in history without uh a constitutional amendment being passed or ratified yeah. or whatever the right word well is. i mean there were a shitload of amendments right away that we call them the bill of rights and we act right. like they were there from the beginning but they were like they were tacked on a week break. after yeah and then they took a break and they did some more and they took a break and did some more and then they took a break for like a hundred years. <laughs> then, um, but, but yeah, so that gets to the broader sort of conversation of just like, okay, structurally, how does this document work and, and how does government work and stuff like that? Um, it's exciting that the equal rights amendment, you know, is an example of a place where like, I think everybody sort of is on board with this idea that everybody's equal now. I hope it cracks open a broader conversation when we're looking at a system, we're going to a system where the like uh, presidents are regularly elected now with a million vote deficit regarding the popular vote. Like something's busted around that system. There are still dump valves for things like this. We just need to know that like it has to do with, it's, it's funny because you know, there's that popular idea of states rights and you know, that, that the Republican side likes to lean on. Well, there's a state's rights way to amend the federal constitution. And it would be interesting to see how their tone might change if suddenly 38 of the states get together and go, we're ratifying and we're putting in the, the climate accords into the constitution. Deal with it. Yeah. I bet they suddenly would start not liking the idea that states are going to mobilize against them so much. And then you really have to look at the extent to which this is just an authoritarian power f power struggle. Um, but that's a different piece of it. So I want to, uh, so like, I think, I think the, the, the cave painting place to start with this is like, uh, like what's government for? To provide roads so we can trade things. Well, like, but why do you That's need, it, right? <laughs> how come private enterprise doesn't su supply that? Because we're kind of lazy. I don't want to make roads for you, man. The, <laughs> I mean, yeah, basically. But like, <laughs> but the free market argument is, but if there's money to be made by giving me roads and charging tolls, how come somebody doesn't do that? It's a good question. And this is at the root of all of these, these arguments, right? Is now that things are more complex than just our little local town. How do we how do we know what the hell is going to happen if we once I can't actively shame you into doing a good thing through <laughs> right through moral like for through mores. There's uh, so like, many there's so many things that are maintained by I mean, not just governments, but like big businesses and stuff that people just don't realize exist to let everything happen that goes on. Like I was joking well, so, with Rhodes because in like I'm thinking back on like middle school education and there's probably like a chapter in history about uh, the Roman roads. And how that led to the success of the 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 empire. Well, like I think you maybe even have to back it up even further because you know before you have sort of these formal governments and stuff, you have like yeah. So let's take it. So let's take it through before you would even call it government, right? Like you have a village of people and they all cooperate. We talking like a little farming it, village. No, because that's a step too far. Like, we're not even, like, let's just hunters couple and farmers, gatherers. Couple cobblers? 12, 12 <laughs> families of hunters and gatherers. Oh. You know, nomads. Not even around. Okay. But, like, on some level, if only as a matter of gender, it makes sense to seg segment jobs, right? Yeah. Um, you have to say, okay, things work better if I stay here and take care of the kid. Doesn't matter which one. 
<laughs> works bet which gender, but works better if <laughs> I stay here and take care of the kids. You go get food so we all survive, right? Deal. And so you've already created a situation where one class is better at taking care of the kids and staying home. The other class is better at going and getting food. And but they need to coexist and cooperate or else this group of people can't expand past 12 right. families right um and as you progress with that you get to increasingly complex systems so when you talk about like a farming village like like give me your off the top of your head what's the rundown of the way that i just explained that if you've now expanded into a farming village because people in a farming village still need their houses fixed and shit, right? Like, what's For the sure. economy of a farming village? I mean, everything just gets so complicated so fast, right? As soon as you're as soon as you're interacting with other humans, that's the whole point. So now you've got all this trade going on, all these parts, all these services, all these all these items, bushels of hay, and all this specialization. Because right. all you do is hay, which you can't eat. <laughs> then you have to get your food from somewhere else, right? So so as people get more specialized, they get more reliant on the people around them to provide the things that they can't do, and that system gets more complex. All you do is, hey, like maybe you can fix your roof because you can use it to thatch your situation, but it doesn't even mean you're going to know how to thatch because just growing the hay is complex enough. <laughs> like, And so there ends up being like a computational limit on what a human brain can specialize and focus on and have the time for and be good at. Right. And then to grow a society, you have to trust other people, right? So when um, does the government come in here? Well, it, it comes in in the, in the place of trust. So if you want to have... Taxes. So eventually you get to a significantly complex system where you need to have rules. And the easiest way to, to grow that system is just for everyone to agree to the rules instead of actually know you personally. Because so if you're a small enough village, you can be like, don't get that guy's cow milk. Get <laughs> that guy's, like, that guy's an asshole, so everybody don't buy his goat milk. Like, <laughs> that's, you know, that, that... That, can, that can spread, right? So you hit a point where social mores and memes can only push so far. And boy, does this turn into a clusterfuck once we, like, this is the, the modern problem is that we took communication and we spread it out so much that memes work again. But at, at a certain it level, is, it like, is weird. That the is weird, efficacy right? of a meme falls off if the <laughs> system is too large and you're still counting on human to human contact or even just written contact. Right. Like religion's just a meme that is able to proliferate through written through books. Is the Bible the OG meme? Uh, I mean, there's certainly some before that, but like Kamarabai's <laughs> code, is a, is a, you know, some before that is a meme before that. You but, mean that wasn't the first story? Uh, the Bible is for sure the first, like, you know, hundred million meme, hundred million <laughs> upvote meme, <laughs> number one bestseller. <laughs> um, but the reality is, you know, government, like you said, taxes, right? I mean, there's, 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 there is an economic aspect to this where eventually you have this thing of going, well, who's going to build the roads? And everybody goes, well, I don't want to build the roads. And they go, well, if there was a road, I sure would be easier for me to get my goat milk to this person I don't know down here, but I sure would like them to buy my goat milk. And like, so, so again, it's a product of like the so taxes exist because, well, for one, oligarchs want to make money, but that's a different thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, Were the, there oligarchs <laughs> in this little farming community? 
I mean, f- sure. They just they called him priest. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> really, it's a was fight it the, to not bring house? you know the weird class structures into this when you try to talk about it more abstractly. But the reality is, government needs to exist because once you can't look a, another human in the eyes, humans become shit at cooperating. <laughs> yeah, that's and a good so, summary, I think. And so we we need systems to allow everyone to cooperate. And a system of laws is just essentially it's like standards. <laughs> a codified system of like, well, I sure would like people to not do that to me. And if we write it down and we all agree to it and we have a system of enforcement and punishment, then I can trust that like, I'm not going to get stabbed every time I go outside because unfortunately the reality is a good percentage of people would stab you if there weren't (laughs) consequences. Um, So it's to, it's to coordinate the wild animals that we like to call ourselves. Right. So it's, it's, you know, it's a system of, coordination and and so that's how you get to the like that's the bigger okay what's government for government is for having a system that is not like government is, is is just how do we get giant groups of people to be able to cooperate enough to not kill one another and or consume all the resources currently government's not so good at keeping us from consuming all the resources why i think it which is part of why i think it's relevant to have the amendment conversation because like maybe it's time to upgrade the firmware (laughs) so you've got your like agrarian village and you have everything that's sort of like facilitated by the biggest it can be while everybody is cooperating and it's sort of like it gets into that dunbar number territory of like okay 150 people is the most you can keep in your head so like what so but we've expanded past that right so so for sure there are ways ways to do that um and staying away from the religion side of like having a priest class and oligarchs you know you end up with these feudal societies that are creeping toward i mean the reality that that you pointed out before we started recording is like they all stack on one another like, because the point is everything to grow. And so we don't tend to like revert to an old way of doing it. Like sometimes we kind of poke at it and then go, oh, that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> like, but so the next step is, is what? Like uh, monarchy, right? Let's, let's get a single person to make all the decisions for us. And we'll just trust that person. It's, it's interesting that that developed because as we're following the storyline here, we're kind of like making up a little society and then building a made up government around it. It's funny that we would fall into a position where we would decide as that little growing town that we just want Bill to make all the decisions and or or Bill just said it and then we all went along with it. Why, why would that happen? Why would that ever evolve that way? Well, that's what's interesting. I was going to say, because it's not really evolution. It, it becomes this weird thing of like where we have to we have to acknowledge that humans exist in a in a, in a world where evolution happens, <laughs> but also are the first creatures in that world to be able to be like, yeah, but it works out better for me if I do X. Oh, right. So the problem is there's always this countervailing force of the reason you end up with like monarchies is yeah there's some pressure for people like they feel like they want a leader and so that's why they work and they take hold but usually it starts with conquering it starts with genghis khan rolls into your town and murders all the men and then goes i'm in charge now (laughs) and everybody goes okay i don't know what to do you got a sword and i don't so pretty amazing that that could take hold and so many times throughout history right right 
it's it's a bizarre it, it feels like such a bizarre thing looking at it from a lens of of what i've been taught is like a civil way to run a society right right um but yeah, when you go back and start to think about it actually starting that way, it seems bizarre that it would would it would get to that. And that's what that's that's the weird part for where we are right now because when people get scared, they look for somebody who just has an answer. Right. And, and so it, you end it, up I think it I think it demonstrates how tenuous all this stuff is, which is important in the conversation. Right. Because yeah, you have to there's there's a huge part of this where you gotta build in these layers of trust. Right. Uh and and agreement that we should be doing things a certain way but it's very delicate and it's always very delicate and and that's an interesting aspect of the conversation because trying to pretend like it's not delicate like not not delicate and that you can come up with an answer that is somehow inflexibly the right answer right just feels like monarchy. And so when people start to talk about the U S constitution as being this rigid document where like this group of rich white slave owners came up with the right answer and that's it, we're done forever. in the history of humanity is like all couple pages of those things governing the modern world. It's so fucking stupid. (laughs) And especially like, and and, and like there's a problem here where we don't remember world war two as a generation. And so we don't even, it's like, it's only through the lens of history and, and our grandparents grumbling at us that we remember that like as recently as, uh, you know, within the last century, people have responded out of fear so strongly to communism that they elected Hitler. They didn't elect. It was much messier than that. But that Hitler rose to power and then did all of the things that caused the Hitler memes to be what they are. Today. <laughs> like, anyway, uh, so... <laughs> So, well, it's, yeah, so monarchy was an answer for a while. And then you get to, and, and, and what it comes down to is they're all just problems of coordination. I think that's all I'm chasing with this. It's fun to talk about all the different hyperbolic pieces, but to try to sterilize it for the, for the good of a conversation about why you need a function, like the ability to do an end run around the federal government and put an amendment into the constitution is because it, it just all comes down to essentially computational systems, which is why the title of this episode is going to be something like an operating system for the United States, the constitution an OS for the U S. <laughs> um, but that's really what it is. Like we're not talking about computers, but we're talking about a system of rules, however rigid they might be for the coordination of a shitload of tasks. Right. right all which at is once. What's needed to do absolutely anything in the world. You can't have every single thing. Every time you do anything be different and unique. Right. You've got to you've got to introduce standards. And so, you know, like computers are really good at rigid tasks. And so the reality of a form of government compared to a computer is all of the details are a lot squishier. But when you boil it down, like the difference between a monarchy and a democracy is the functional choke points in the system of computation. And so the problem with a monarchy is you got one person or one family at the top making all the decisions. Right. You've only got one editor of your rules and your standards. And so that's like, you know, in a, in a system of imagining working with software, that's just, you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes that person is Steve jobs and, and you're good. But like sometimes that, person is 
you know, or shit, you can just go with the, whoever took over for Steve Jobs after the, who's the Pepsi guy that drove Apple into the ground after he left. Like, oh. anyway, it's it's like you can see examples of the same system still functioning in corporate America because somebody takes over, they push decisions the wrong way, and then they go, oh, shit, dog, you're fired because that's not working. But like even board structure is a form of democracy where you can fire the king if they're not, you know, operating to the benefit of the shareholders. The problem with uh, government, the government version of that is with monarchs, it used to just be you had to you had to get enough people together to assassinate the king (laughs) (laughs) Um, or like marry into the, you know, into the bloodline and it gets so stupid and messy. Well, one of the other um, issues with government, and we try to we've tried to address this with the United States, right? The whole concept of of state structure and testing things out in the states is we don't have we don't have the death of the government. We have the death of businesses. They're not they're not meant well. Whether or not they're meant to, they don't go on forever, right? If one eventually stops working, we it it gets consumed and broken up and dies out and we move on to something new that consumed it. And we don't have that opportunity with the government, right? It In doesn't... fact, the argument for bankruptcy is to allow that to happen without people like losing their lives over it. Right. Um, A graceful rebirth. And the idea that we don't look at that economic, the economic strength of that argument as it applies to government is another one of those places where it's like, I can't believe people see the one thing and don't go, this is the same fucking thing over here. The government is this giant corporation that is run in this wonky way because we can't ever shutter it or else we've literally had a, a, a like a, a revolution. <laughs> um, but so, so you end up with, because of that fact, you have to come up with these structures that are like CEOs and board structures or whatever. It's like to run the whole thing. And it's funny because like, what does CEO stand for? Chief Executive Officer. Executive. There it is. <laughs> President, CEO of our country. Right. The executive branch. Right. So 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 then you have to start breaking down the structure of our government. But it's interesting to keep looking at it through that lens of computation because you can see interesting parallels as you start to follow through the genesis of software for computers, which was only, you know it's only like a thing in the last century anyway, but it's this funny, rigid sort of like, because computers are so binary in the way that they process stuff, you end up like, it's a, it's a thing that, that very close to within our lifetime, we can look at that has emerged and increased in complexity the same way that human society did, but at a rate so fast that we can go, it used to be punch cards and blah, blah, blah. And then it used to be this and it used to be that. And you can kind of look at the monarchy phase and then you can look at how that gets progressively busted down by democratic solutions over time. Like the emergence of open source is a democratic answer to what used to just be controlled by the corporation or the person who is making the decision regarding what the software is going to look like. Well, it's in- it's interesting formulating government because the debate ultimately comes down to what is best for us as opposed to how to accomplish this particular task the most effective way right because it it ends up being how do we accomplish a task in a particular way but initially the conversation is what do you think is best for us and what do you think we we should have and what do you think we should be doing 
And there's not really a right answer to that. And so the premise that that underpins everything we try to do with the government is is this nebulous question of like what matters and and what should we have and how should we live. Right. And so necessarily government ends up squishier and more complicated because of what they would call in law school fact patterns. So like uh, and this is where it starts to get like the mind blowing moment here is when you realize that the compendium the entirety of federal law is called the US code. Like we literally already call it code within the system. And it and functions so, exactly like software. And it functions exactly and like software. If you've ever software. read a legal document, you realize, and you've also written code, you realize you're just reading software. Right. It's, it's even laid out like software. Really high latency, like, <laughs> like error prone system. It has a really poor for, compiler. For, yeah, for processing compiler. the input versus an output, but it is made for standardizing outputs so that we can, because you get to these ideas of philosophy of law, and 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 there are a lot of different ways of saying it as you as you talk about different philosophies of like what you need for a functional government and functional system of laws. But one of the things is you have to have predictable outcomes. Mm -hmm. People have to know what to expect in a system of government or else they're unsettled always. And so, so predictable outcomes is the thing you're chasing on I've some got a level. Good story with of this system, predictable outcomes. With computers, a not predictable outcome is a is just broken software, because it's the computer just goes, "I don't know what to do with that." Click, and then you're, and then the process is dead. <laughs> so, uh, or it's a glitch or a bug, you know, or like it's it's Y two K, and the unpredictable outcome is the whole world's supposed to end. That's a different. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was hanging out downtown San Diego with two buddies one time and uh, lunchtime, we were getting lunch somewhere and we decided to cross the street in the middle of the street and actually got pulled over by cops for jaywalking. And bear in mind, San, downtown San Diego is not like a real happening <laughs> city space. We were crossing like an empty street in the middle of the day. And a cop on a motorcycle rushes up from around the corner onto the sidewalk, aggressively gives us all jaywalking tickets, which turn out to be like $300 tickets. And so uh, one of the people I was with was an attorney. So he compiled information about the incident and he wrote very specific letters to the right people in the government. And we eventually all got uh, letters back about our jaywalking tickets that we had like protested or contested or whatever the difference is between those. And the same person in the government reviewed all three of these letters. Mind you, the letters were identical. The situation was identical. Uh, the only difference is that it was three different people. And so the same person reviewed all three letters and the response that all three of us got were completely different. One person got the jaywalking completely dismissed. Another person got it cut in half and the other person paid full price. The only difference was that the same person had reviewed that d those documents that were identical on different days. They had different timestamps on them. Right. And so the problem, not not the problem, but a reality of government that maybe someday we can eke out if we figure out how these things merge ultimately is uh, humans have really shitty judgment. And it's funny because you talk to economists, they will always say you hear somebody like Daniel Kahneman talk and like he will frequently say every decision possible should be made by algorithm. And he doesn't mean computers. He means there should be an established step-by-step yeah. -step process for how a decision is made. 
because everywhere that you in- introduce human judgment, you just are introducing sloppy shit. Inconsistency. And it's just a reality of human yeah. systems. But that's the reality of government. And so you're constantly talking about like, and that's the problem of how should it be versus how it is or versus what's the best answer for whatever philosophical like derivative, whether, you know, like you're talking about utilitarian decisions, whatever, like, so it's necessarily messy, but the reality is it's just a system of coordination. And we tried these, these systems with a single choke point at the top and they, they didn't work, right? Like there's a, there's a Churchill quote about, you know, uh, uh about democracy, um, where he says, uh, democracy is the worst form of government, except for all the others that we've tried <laughs> from time to time. Like, so, you know, it's imperfect, but what we have evolved, the place where evolution does come into it is we went, okay, we were trying this monarchy thing. We tried it in progressively less, like in ways that were progressively less about conquering, And like the Romans were pretty good at it for a while with their Republic and stuff, but eventually it did get conquered by an authoritarian and then it went to shit again. And then we forgot all that for a long time and we tried hereditary monarchies and those didn't work out. And a hereditary monarchy gave birth to these group of people that were thankfully separated by an ocean. And so the war played out the way that it did that got us the U S form of democracy. The idea that the people that ultimately make the decisions should be the people, not a king. With with whatever stupidity or whatever self-interest at the at the at the helm. There's an interesting underpinning to all of this that uh, assumes that we know what we're supposed to be doing as a society that there's like a goal and a direction and there are accomplishments that we should be headed towards whereas uh there isn't really that's kind of baked into the government right so whatever form of government you set up kind of dictates the reality of is there something i'm supposed to be doing with society are we supposed to like make everything equal for everybody or are we supposed to have classes that operate things and take everything right and so as the government evolves you're kind of evolving the reality of uh of like social um the social contract right because when a monarch is in charge and that family let's just say that family takes everything and doesn't really care about doing anything for the populace except what's good for them why is that wrong? That's kind of how the world operates outside of the government. And so you've got this underlying initial argument that you have to have with people of, are we supposed to be cooperating to make the world a particular thing? Or are we supposed to just be kind of governing it in a way that you don't kill me at night when I'm sleeping Well, and let everything else do come as it may? Right. So, I mean, that gets us to philosophical questions of like, of you know, what's the point and, and what are, what are ultimate goals? And, you know, and it's like, and it's easy to argue, well, the most happiness for the most number of people and a tenet of happiness is you don't get killed in your sleep because, uh, because other people want to take your stuff and things like that. Um, but there's just, there's, there's, there's a, there's an underpinning thing that, that I was thinking of as you were saying this, which is like, it comes back to our climate change conversations on the podcast. The reality is 
if we had infinite resources, so much of this shit wouldn't matter, right? But the reality is our planet is this closed ecosystem. And so for what it is, our world is one of whether they're local or global, like finite capacity to consume without everyone else around you dying. And so everybody just wants to not die because that's built in to life as it, as it is. Um, and what's, you know, the funny thing that comes back to the religion piece is one tenet of religion is making you not afraid of dying. And sometimes that's really dangerous because people start to be like, well, shit, I'm not afraid of dying. So I don't feel bad killing you. Let's go kill a whole lot of people. Um, but like, what's interesting about the climate change piece is like, we're starting to have this global discussion where, yeah, the question of are we is it is it maximum happiness that we're after or maximum ownership of stuff like what right. it it doesn't matter because we're, we're right now the problem is uh our current system is consuming resources at a rate that our planet can't sustain like our closed ecosystem can't sustain and so it's really bringing up a version of the conversation that forces you to be like this isn't necessarily a about happiness and prosperity. Right. Like maybe we thought it was for a few centuries, but like we've kind of hit this point of going, oh, well, these actually are actually about sustainable happiness and prosperity. These are, <laughs> we do run into these large scale uh, situations that we have to address that draw to the front the fact that a lot of the stuff we deal with day to day are these abstract, not really any right answer uh, concepts that we sit around and discuss. And then all of a sudden we're presented with existential threats like nuclear holocausts. And we realize, right. oh, wait, those things actually threaten the core principle here that we're all just trying to uh, not die. <laughs> and it's hard when right. there are a lot of us around because we might try to kill each other. Right. So you're then like, you have to, you get an opportunity to reanalyze uh, what we, what I think gets thrown around loosely as like a generalized label for people as progressives but the the choice to look at the world and decide that you want to have progress of some sort whether good or bad but change in some direction uh is important to recognize that we we choose that and we've baked that in on purpose to the the code that runs our government so that we can make changes that's not necessarily like a rule that exists in the universe we just decided that well, let's keep tweaking things because right. it's not ever quite right. Well, right. So, so what, so what you've got is an evolution of, of human thought basically that gets you from, okay, uh, monarchy's not working out because we've ended up with this system we think is unfair as a bunch of colonists, like living over here, getting taxed for shit. We have no say in. <laughs> so like, Do not tread on me. Right. <laughs> so, so they went, okay, well, so like we need a, we need a, a way to do this that factors in everybody's notion of like what we should do. And they also, because they had just changed forms of government, like the idea that they would have thought that, that, that the founders of our country would even have thought that they were writing down the right thing is fucking ignorant. They just finished overthrowing <laughs> a government. They just did the thing. It's, that it's we're like, point. well, that doesn't happen anymore. Like, they believed that that was going to happen. Every like Jefferson has written about it. He thought he thought we were going to refresh the Constitution with a bloody revolution. 
like every 50 years. Yeah. Like, so, so the idea that, that somehow the system is not meant to, to evolve is just ridiculous, but that's what they did. They, they, their conception of government that gets us sort of modern democracy is, okay, we need to have this thing that's able to constantly evolve based on the, the systems in front of us. And like ours sort of does, we pass laws, we, we, you know, you go to court, you make arguments on, on behalf of the enforcement of those laws and what it should look like. But like, you know, the point is to have this malleable system. And then the question is, okay, well, who holds the levers of how that system changes so that it is allowed to evolve? And so basically like they went, okay, monarchy doesn't evolve uh, in part because people want to maintain power once they have it. But also because it just it ends up if it does evolve, it ends up evolving at the whims of this single point of failure. And so they went, OK, well, we need this system it needs to evolve. We're going to have uh, a constitution, this underlying set of rules that are sort of simple. You know, if you go read the Constitution, it's not they're very broad statements about how things should be. It's not a very long document. And it's not a very long document. <laughs> And then they're it, like, okay, it, and then on top of that, we're going to stack up laws, but like, here's how you change the laws and here's how you vote for the people that will vote on changing those laws. And like, it just, it, it, it's, it's, it's functionally, it's an operating system. It's like, okay, here's this baseline. It's, it's firmware for how this system is right. going to ultimately, it's, to call it an operating system is not even right. It's like no, BIOS. It's the basic, right. The basic <laughs> operating right. principles that decisions can be made upon. And then everything um, else evolves from that. And that's the brilliant thing that they did. And that's part of the problem that we have when we talk about amendments and the amendment drought is like, they wanted amendments. They rolled out a shitload of them right away, in fact. And then and then continued to for a century until we, for some reason, went, okay, all those people are dead now and they can't speak to what they thought. And here's what I think it is. And the way I think about it is actually to protect my own power and uh, politics starts happening. And you end up with, you know, Things evolve on a roller coaster of here's how we think it should be. Here's how we think it should be. Here's how, you know, and everybody's just shouting about how they think it should be. Um, and I think like we're, we're kind of running out of time. So we didn't even get to breaking down how the government works. We'll have to do a part two of this one where we actually talk through because there really is a computational function. I can kind of tease. This is what my like law school thesis was on. <laughs> but you basically have like. You have your firmware, which is a constitution, which lays this all out. But then you have three branches of government. You have the executive branch, the judicial, and the legislative. So you have people writing code. You have people executing the code. You have systems executing the code. And then you have a debugger who watches it and makes sure it's still running properly. So it really is like you can really chase this computational analogy really aggressively once you have a form of demo a democratic government. Uh, in fact, you can chase it through the other ones and you can see why they failed parallel to why other systems have how to maintain a code base have failed. Uh, but like we do a whole separate episode on that one. I think the place to wrap this one up that hopefully gets us to a point is like, <laughs> okay, so we talked through kind of democracy and how we are where we are. And we got to this sort of philosophical end point of like, well, it's all just about a bunch of people trying to decide what we should do when there's 300 million of us. And we're all trying to make these decisions. I think there's a point of optimism that we can get to here, which is, like you said, we have at times shown that we're able to really get our shit together. We just have to be existentially challenged. And that hasn't happened since World War II. 
I mean, we kind of had the Cold War and we got it together around nuclear weapons because they're scary as shit. But until climate change, yeah, we didn't really have anything that was just like, yo, all of us are going to die if we yeah. don't get our shit together right now. And this abortion thing you're fighting about doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> you're just fighting about that because you're bored because you haven't been existentially challenged. In the <laughs> like, <laughs> Right. And part of part of those I I. I like how you, I mean, you put that more aggressively than I think you mean, honestly, but the point, <laughs> part of this is, is that the, uh, aggression and the, the, uh, polarization and the arguments and the frustration and the, uh, ridiculous standing of grounds is on some level a result of, I think, being bored, right? There aren't, we're not the, the root cause of, all of this creation was just so we don't die, right? We want to reduce the the percentage chance that I'm going to get killed and eaten today. So we're going to put this stuff together. And that's, that's good, really good the primary driver. To check out in this context is the one with uh, Jeffrey. Uh, uh, shit. What was his name? A good episode Dr. to check Jeff out Martin. in this context is Jeffrey, Jeffrey Martin. Yeah. Cause he talks a lot, a bit, a lot about the underlying feeling of anxiety that we have because yeah. Ultimately, we're just animals trying to survive and we're still like physically tuned to be watching just for tigers eaten. in the underbrush so that we don't get eaten. And so yeah. we have this anxiety and it's easy to find demons like 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 the abortion argument to make the thing that you think has to right. change so that we're all protected. Uh, and and, you know. Yeah, and if you if you if you take an objective view of a lot of, uh, I'm generalizing drastically here, but like a lot of general American lives in in the current time period, if you're like hanging out and watching Netflix and browsing Instagram on your phone, like we've reached a pinnacle of just chill relaxation, where all of those major existential threats, uh, in a, in a moment to moment at least for people, are gone, right? You might still be struggling with a lot of awful things uh, going on in your life, big picture, but like you're just not looking over your shoulder constantly to not get eaten. And so, but and like in a, in a really, you're in a really safe space a lot of the time. And that's just never quite existed like this before. Well, and that's why I keep falling back on like abortion or the, the guns argument. Like, these are easy things. This is the problem with like, so the things that people who want to grab power figured out at some point in the last 50 years is if you can serve up an issue for people to care about and vote on that somehow makes them, gives them a dump valve for that anxiety, then you can win elections. And they've used that to grab power and grab power and grab power to the point that now we're at a place where the, the people are like, 70% in favor of gun control laws and they're just not passing because people continue to want to get money from the NRA who wants them to not pass so they can make more money so they can. And it's like there's aspects of this that have started to fail because just, you know, shit gets different when we are living with the level of prosperity that like free market economics has gotten us at this point, which is great. I like all my stuff. I like Netflix <laughs> and chill, but like <laughs> it becomes this, you know, and so, it, but it's but it's interesting seeing people then fall back and go, okay, uh, there are some existential problems here. 
like the Me Too movement is about an underlying current of this whole thing that's not sustainable while we while we disrespect half of our society. Right. And that's what the Equal Rights Amendment ends up being about. The problem is the current system needs to evolve. Luckily, that's built into the system. It just like we have spent too much time listening to the people inside of the system who have a vested interest in keeping it the way it is. Like, even if it's just so they can keep their jobs for the next four years, like. They don't want us to know that we can ratify amendments to the Constitution <laughs> without their help, because then they lose their jobs. What government officials don't want you to know tonight on Zengineering. Yeah, exactly. But like the point is, I guess, I guess like the place where I'm trying to go to with the sort of optimism is it's it's almost interesting and heartening to realize that like it's all just cyclical. And we're starting to cycle back through the place where I think historically humans are pretty good at getting their shit together. Yeah. Because climate change is real and it's here in the next 10 years. Like, like my house is already almost getting burned down twice a year. I got evacuated last week and had to stay in a hotel for four days because fucking fires. Mm -hmm. Like, that's very real to me. I don't care about any other shit you have to talk about politically <laughs> right now because my house almost burns down. Right. Twice a the year. death, the death factor is bad. Like, right. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's like, and it's, and it's a very not optimistic way to look at it, but like Churchill had to say, it's the it's it's the worst form of it government, unifies. except for literally every other one we've tried. And I think the reality is it's because we have a malleable system. We just have to go out and teach people that the system is malleable and it's bad enough that we need to pull the trigger on the things that are like constitution level. We got to go in and upgrade the firmware because the whole fucking thing is just glitchy. And it's like, I, I don't, my RAM can't talk to my CPU in the right way anymore. And it's all just jammed up. And like, and I really think ultimately like part two will be to really, I think, break down the more like engineering way of looking at it. But we really are at a point government wise where like the way to think about it is how mad would you be if you had this, this dope iPhone 11 in your pocket and it was still running the software from 2007? You're like, I know the processor is faster than this, <laughs> but every time I click a button, I'm just waiting. Yeah. They don't we've feel like updating it. <laughs> like, we've been exposed to this uh, constant. Uh, we see and feel progress in things more than ever, I think. And so our expectations are just out of control uh, for good or for good or for bad with this expecta expectation that we should be able to iterate on things, right? We've just been trained and groomed and bred to believe that about the world uh if you're if you're a progressive like i am and i only use that word very literally uh you just there's progress to be made damn right it. Let, i mean let's the distinction check these there dudes off and and move in that direction whatever it happens to be if you remove it from the associated issues the progressive and conservative dynamic is just conservatives want to conserve the way that it is and progressives are like, well, but what if we try this other thing that's different? <laughs> yeah. Right? And it's like, the reality is we have a progressive form of government. The point of the form of government was to make it squishy so we can change it yeah. as we move forward. And like, of course, the old people are saying we shouldn't do that. They, It's been good to them. They're old. 
They've lived <laughs> to be old. Like right, it's very so, self-selecting. <laughs> right. It's very it's so like, but once you realize that, then you realize like, oh, okay, we need we need to angle for firmware updates. And that's what equal rights amendment is. And I think we're gonna need a climate change amendment. I mean, that's why I'm okay with sweeping things like the Green New Deal, even if aspects of it seem ambitious or unworkable monetarily. Like the fact that they're saying, no, we need a big ass project to solve this, not just a bunch of like, I'm going to nip, you know, I'm going to nip at it. Like, anyway, the cool thing that I think we'll get to next time is the, we don't, we don't have to have a bloody revolution because the things already are built in there. That we can talk about it. We talk about it and we can pull levers that the people are the only ones who are allowed to have their hands on. Right. To make these changes. It just, it just takes yays and nays. Uh, people got to fucking vote. <laughs> <laughs> and they also have to understand at least like the underlying, you know, it's like we need, we need for the government, we need like the quick tips thing that shows up when a new firmware totally. updates goes through. Right. And they're like, here's remind the more me, new things. Remind me tomorrow. To yeah, right. <laughs> I can't, um, I can't be bothered to reboot right now. I'm so we'll hit that one up. next time. But thanks for hanging out for this. I guess what turned out <laughs> to be the, the, the philosophical, uh, uh, prologue. <laughs> We're going to call this constitutional epilogue? law. Which one comes first? Epilogue, prologue. I don't remember. Beat me, man. <laughs> uh, to to our discussion of the uh, the U.S. Constitution as firmware and the and the and then the computational system that runs the software of actual government. But uh, thanks for thanks for hanging out for I don't know whatever this was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Adam. Um, Brian, stay, uh, stay governed. Word. Gotta go to this appointment. <laughs>